You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to the Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Therapy Podcast. Glad to have you here with us. I'm continuing with our study preparation session for the National Clinical Mental Health Care Exam. One of those ridiculous tests which is designed to make you feel and to sort out all of those who... We just don't want too many counselors in the field, so we're just going to fail a bunch of them for no reason. Um, With that pep talk, um, I really hope that everybody who takes this passes. And more importantly, I hope that you learn something in the process. So, like Mark Twain said, don't let education get in the way of your... Don't let schooling get in the way of your education. So we're going to try to uh, actually learn stuff along the road. And thanks for joining me for this journey. Today I want to focus on not just neurodevelopmental disorders, but um, the differential diagnoses of them and moving into some behavioral issues. And one of the monsters of diagnoses today is attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder, right? It used to be two separate things, ADD and ADHD. Now it's just one monster of ADHD and we just specify whether it's predominantly inattentiveness or predominantly hyperactive, then you could just have a combined presentation. In any event, um, I think many people have a fairly accurate assessment of uh, idea of what ADHD looks like. It comes with uh, inattentiveness, hyperactivity, impulsivity, but where it gets fun is when you have a tremendous list of the diagnostic criteria, a lot of those are going to overlap with other disorders. And here's where it gets fun. How can you tell the difference between oppositional defined disorder and ADHD? People with ODD, they're oppositional. These kids don't want to conform to other people's demands, so they're not going to be working in school. They're not going to be doing well in that setting. Their behavior is looks like negativity, hostility, and defiance. So we have to be able to look at this and say, look, it's not about an aversion of school, aversion to school, or anything that's mentally demanding because I can't focus on it. It's not that I'm forgetting the instructions. It's not that I'm impulsive like ADHD. Individuals with ODD have a bone to pick with the assignment more than the inability to accomplish it successfully. The reason why it gets complicated is that kids with ADHD can develop a secondary 
oppositional attitude towards these tasks, which they're having such a struggle with. And they totally devalue their importance. Another diagnosis we have to weed out is intermittent explosive disorder. In a way, the intermittent explosive disorder is the same as ADHD because they both have high levels of impulsive behavior. However, here's where you can tell them apart. Those with IED, the explosive behavior, they show serious aggression towards others, which is not characteristic in ADHD. And you could also tell them apart to see if this client has problems sustaining attention. That would be an ADHD issue and not an uh, intermittent explosive disorder. Also, it's rare to find IED in children. However, you could have IED diagnosed alongside comorbid ADHD. Uh, when you're looking at ADHD, you have to make sure we're not, we're not dealing with a case of other neurodevelopmental disorders. You have to distinguish it from the repetitive motor behaviors that are characteristic in some cases of autism. In stereotypic movement disorder, the motoric behavior is fixed and repetitive. You have a body rocking, self-biting. But when it comes to the fidgeting and restlessness of ADHD, that's typically less repetitive than autism. When you, you could also have a Tourette's disorder where multiple tics could be mistaken for the generalized fidgetiness of ADHD. But if you look at it long enough and just observe, you could tell apart fidgetiness from bouts of multiple tics. We also have to consider specific learning disorder. Uh, children who suffer from that may appear inattentive because they're frustrated or they have a lack of interest or a limited ability. However, with, with a kid with specific learning disorder, that inattentiveness would not present itself out of an academic setting. So see if this kid is still frustrated and not interested on the playground. We also have to rule out intellectual disabilities. If you stick a kid in an academic setting that is not appropriate for their intellectual ability, you can produce symptoms of ADHD. In that case, those symptoms won't be evident outside of academic tasks. We also have to compare ADHD and autistic spectrum disorder. They both have inattention, social dysfunction, and a difficulty managing behavior. They're tough to deal with. That social dysfunction and peer rejection that, we, that shows up with ADHD has to be distinguished from the social disengagement, the isolation and indifference to facial and social communication cues that people with autism have. Children with, auti with autism can have tantrums because they don't have the ability to tolerate a change from their expectations. On the flip side, in ADHD, kids will misbehave or throw a tantrum when they have a major transition because not of their expectation of the results, but because of a lack of, of self-control and their impulsivity. There's also reactive attachment disorder um, where children may show social disinhibition, but not a full ADHD symptom cluster. They'll only show features like a lack of enduring relationships, and that's not an ADHD symptom. That's an issue in their attachment. Right, we know that uh, the attachment uh, style that a uh, person is raised in directly affects their relationships as an adult. 
we have to look at ADHD compared to anxiety disorders because they do share the symptoms of inattention. However, the reason behind it is different. By ADHD, they're not paying attention because they're attracted to external stimuli, those new activities, or they're preoccupied with some other enjoyable activity. When it comes to anxiety, that they're not paying attention because they're worried and they're ruminating about something else, not excited by it. You can see some restlessness in anxiety disorders, but with ADHD, you're not going to see that worry and rumination. We have to differentiate ADHD from depressive disorders because when someone's depressed, they can also have a hard time concentrating, but that's usually only prominent during a depressive episode, and they can focus when they're in a more euthymic state. ADHD versus bipolar disorder. People with bipolar may have increased activity, poor concentration, increased impulsivity, just like ADHD, but their features are episodic. That can happen several times at a day. The bipolar impulsivity or inattention comes with an elevated mood, grandiosity, and those other very specific bipolar features. If a child has ADHD, they may show significant changes in mood within the same day, but that's not a manic episode, which has to last, uh, a manic episode has to last four or more days in order for it to be a clinical indicator of bipolar, even in kids. It's very rare to, to find bipolar in pre-adolescence, even when severe irritability and anger are prominent, as opposed to ADHD, which is common in children and adolescents who display excessive anger and irritability. There's another diagnosis, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. That's characterized by a pervasive irritability and an intolerance or a frustration. However, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder does not have impulsivity and that disorganized attention like ADHD does. It happens to be that most children and adolescents with disruptive mood dysregulation disorder have symptoms that also meet the criteria for ADHD, which would give it its own diagnosis. When looking at ADHD, we have to look at substance use disorders which could be problematic if the first presentation of ADHD follows the onset of abuse or frequent use of a, of, of a substance. You might need clear evidence of ADHD before that substance misuse to make this differential diagnosis. We have to look at personality disorders. In adolescence and adult, it could be hard to distinguish ADHD from uh, borderline, narcissistic, and other personality disorders. All these disorders tend to share the features of disorganization, social intrusiveness, emotional dysregulation, and cognitive dysregulation. The difference is that by ADHD, it doesn't have a characteristic of a fear of abandonment, of uh, self-injury, extreme ambivalence, or those other features of personality disorder. It could take some extensive uh, clinical observation, um, informant interview, or a detailed history in order to be able to tell apart those impulsive, social intrusive, or inappropriate behaviors from a narcissistic, aggressive, or domineering behavior to see if we're looking at a personality disorder or ADHD. We will not diagnose ADHD if the symptoms of inattention and hyperactivity only occur during a psychotic disorder. The ADHD is subsumed under that psychotic disorder. We could also have some 
ADHD symptoms synthetically induced by medications. So some medications can make a client inattentive, hyperactive, impulsive. Um, for example, bronchodilators, isoniazid, neuroleptics, uh, resulting in akathisia, uh, thyroid replacement medication. So that will all be diagnosed as other specified or specified other substance-related disorder. And finally, we have to differentiate ADHD from neurocognitive disorders. Um, early neurocognitive disorders like dementia or mild neurocognitive disorders are not known to be associated with ADHD, but they can present some similar clinical features. The way you can tell the neurocognitive disorders from ADHD is that ADHD shows up very early as opposed to neurocognitive disorders, which tend to have a late onset. I want to take a look at schizo schizotypal personality disorder. It's considered to be part of schizophrenia spectrum. It's just missing the hallucinations. You know, let's go straight to schizophrenia. Schizophrenia has those delusions, uh, hallucinations, disorganized speech, uh, disorganized or catatonic behavior, negative symptoms, like a diminished emotional expression or avolition. It's getting in the way of their work, interpersonal relationships, self-care. Um, it persists for more than six months. Now, there's a couple of things to rule out when you're diagnosing schizophrenia. First, we have to look at the major depressive or bipolar with psychotic or catatonic features. The difference between schizophrenia and MDD or bipolar, they can both have psychotic features. The differences are going to be between um, the temporal relationship between the mood disturbances and the psychosis and the severity of the depression or manic episodes. If delusions or hallucinations are happening exclusively during a major depressive or manic episode, then depressive or bipolar would be the diagnosis with psychotic features. We'll also we'll, we'll change out schizophrenia for schizoaffective if there is a major depressive or manic episode occurring with the active phase symptoms and the mood symptoms are there for the majority or the entire duration of the active periods. There's also delusion disorder. Um, we, we could dis distinguish that from schizophrenia by the absence of the other symptoms of schizophrenia. Like there's, if there's no delusions, uh, prominent auditory or visual hallucinations, disorganized speech, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior, those negative symptoms. If you have any of those, then it's more than just delusional disorder. We mentioned schizotypal per, uh, personality disorder that we could dis distinguish from schizophrenia by the subthreshold symptoms that are associated with persistent personality features. Um, OCD or DBD, a body dys dysmorphic disorder. OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. People with OCD or BDD can have uh, poor or absent insight. And the preoccupation may reach delusional proportions. However, these disorders are distinguished from schizophrenia by their prominent obsessions, their compulsions, the preoccupation with appearance or body odor or hoarding or a body-focused repetitive behavior. Those aren't schizophrenia-related. So if we're seeing those compulsions or those preoccupations with appearance, then we're going to jump to OCD or BDD. We also have to look at post Traumatic stress disorder, PSD, a PTSD, because that can include flashbacks 
that have hallucinatory quality or uh, and hypervigilance uh, hyper that can read par- uh, it, it can reach paranoid proportions. Um, however, traumatic events and uh, characteristic symptom features relating to reliving or reacting to the event are required in order for a PTSD diagnosis. We also have to compare schizophrenia to autism because these disorders, uh, autism and communication disorders, can resemble a psychotic episode. Uh, But you could tell them apart from schizophrenia by their social interaction deficits. And they'll have repetitive or restricted behaviors in autism or other cognitive and communication deficits and communication disorder. If someone has autism or a communication disorder, they, they, they have to have symptoms that meet full criteria for schizophrenia with prominent hallucinations or delusions for at least a month in order to be diagnosed with schizophrenia as a comorbid condition. And finally, we have to look at other mental disorders associated with, with a psychotic episode. You can only diagnose schizophrenia when the psychotic episode is persistent and not attributable to a physiological effect of a substance or some other medical condition. If someone has delirium or major or minor neurocognitive disorder, that can present with psychotic symptoms. But that would have to be, they would, they would have a temporal relationship to the onset of cognitive changes consistent with those disorders. Someone with a substance or a medication-induced psychotic disorder could have symptoms characteristic of criteria A of schizophrenia, but the substance-slash-medication-induced psychotic disorder usually can be distinguished from schizophrenia by looking at the chronological relationship of the substance use to the onset of and the remission of the psychosis in the absence of substance use. See, take away the drugs. Is there still schizophrenia? And finally, I want to compare bipolar to its differential diagnoses, its uh, potential comorbids. There's bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Bipolar 2 is a little more docile, but don't underestimate it. It can turn a life upside down. Um... How do we tell the difference between a major depressive disorder and bipolar? Um, This could be one of the most challenging differential diagnoses to consider because it could be accompanied by hypomanic or manic symptoms. Uh, The difference being that the hypomanic episodes would have fewer or shorter episodes. When you're evaluating someone with symptoms of irritability, it's especially hard because the irritability may be associated with the major depressive disorder or bipolar too. It's really hard to tell. You just have to see if the manic or hypomanic episodes in the depressive disorder, do they meet the full criteria as being manic or hypomanic? Otherwise, they'll just have the major depressive disorder. There's another disorder, cyclothymic disorder, which and which could have uh, numerous periods of hypomanic symptoms and a whole bunch of depressive symptoms, but they just don't meet the... Meet the uh, symptom or duration criteria for a major depressive episode. In bipolar 2, you have one or more major depressive episodes. If you see that after the first two years of a cyclothymic disorder, then you would add cyclothymia to 
the bipolar 2 disorder. We also have to make sure that our bipolar client isn't schizophrenia or suffering from other psychotic disorder, like uh, delusional disorder, um, schizoaffective disorder. Those are characterized by periods of psychotic symptoms, even when there are no prominent mood symptoms. You also want to look at the, the accompanying symptoms and previous course and family history to differentiate that from bipolar. Anxiety disorders and panic disorders have to be considered when you're working on a bipolar disorder uh, diagnosis because they could frequently be presenting as a co-occurring, a co-occurring disorder. Um, you have to look at substance use disorder as a differential di- diagnosis of bipolar. ADHD as well, especially in adolescents and children. Um, because they could also have rapid speech, racing thoughts, distractibility, uh, less need for sleep, and that's definitely an overlapping symptom of hypomania. You could overload, you could over, you know, avoid that overlap between ADHD and bipolar too, by clarifying what happens in a distinct episode, and just notice an increase over the baseline required for a bipolar two diagnosis. We have to discount personality disorders, just like ADHD. Um, We have to make sure that we're not looking at borderline personality disorders since you can have mood lability and impulsivity both in personality disorders and in bipolar. You have to have a specific, a distinct episode and notice that the symptoms increased over the baseline to qualify for bipolar. But we do not diagnose a personality disorder during an untreated mood episode unless the lifetime history supports the presence of a personality disorder. There are other bipolar disorders that we have to um, differentiate from bipolar 2. You have to make sure it's not bipolar 1. By How do you do that? How do you know if it's 1 or 2? You have to carefully consider whether there have been any past episodes of mania you also look at other specified and unspecified bipolar and related disorders by confirming the presence of a fully syndromal hypomania and depression. If you have a chart that matches the hypomania and depression chart of bipolar 2, then you could discount the other bipolar disorders. Hope you learned something. I definitely did. Thanks for sticking around. Um, if you have any comments, questions, shoot them my way at askmetherapy at gmail.com. And as always, you guys are amazing. Keep it up. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.